Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And uh, boys, it is a, a patriotic time right now. Uh, it's a great time to be alive. And uh, Big R, you and I were treated to some texts from our uh, our friend Barnabas last night. And, and yes. let me just say, I'm glad we're... I'm glad we're at that stage in our relationship where we're we're texting about our real lives. You know, it feels like another level of of depth. But Pipe, it's not all just it's not all just business for us. It's not all right? just business. For a long, and, and for a long time, money, it really was. Yeah, and fame and the adulation and and you know we're all kind of disconnected. It's like it's like in one of those behind the music documentaries where we're all getting off the private plane, but we're all just kind of looking in our own direction. And you know, there's no warmth. That's how we were before. I know. Finally, though, we have a relationship now. It's it's. Uh, it's but gone beyond. Gonna, it's gone beyond power lunches and contracts and, that's and right. big business and sponsorships. And, and I'm, I'm that, really grateful well for that. I think the amazing thing is that it was an altar call, or really the concept of altar calls that drew us all together so closely. It really it's was. True. And, it's true. Now, Pipe, briefly paint the picture for us as to what you got to experience last night as a part of this uh, this Fourth of July slash church celebration. Yes. Well, it, I went under the auspices of it being a Fourth of July celebration, which. I'm. I feel. I, I tend to enjoy those. I like explosions and people being happy and and whatever. Did not know it was a church one uh, until until the details came out later. So I was. <laughs> it, it, in true church evangelism fashion, they saved the worst for last, and yeah. uh, and I was I was hoodwinked as they often do. Now, so, <clears throat> yeah. What did this look like? Okay, so it was it was about an hour away from where we live uh, in this small town called Springfield, Tennessee, which which means about four miles away in the Nashville suburbs. That's right. It's yeah, because because of all the switchbacks in the hills. And uh, and when you're in a mule cart, it's hard to get anywhere fast. Um, Like like you're still in the car coming home from that event, aren't you, Pipe? Is that what's (laughs) happening right now? Uh, Well, well, we we uh, we set up camp last night and made it home (laughs) this morning. So we're good. We're good now. Um, But no, we get there and. Find out when we get there that it's they're, they're expecting somewhere between seven and ten thousand people. I don't think they got quite that many. I think it was more like five to seven. It's in this park in the middle of nowhere. Where so we we park the car in a in a farmer's field, literally. Oh, like they've mowed it. They're they have they have the uh, state troopers out there directing traffic. We get there. There's a Christian band playing, which I also didn't know uh, beforehand. Um, I just I had heard live music. I didn't know what kind of live music. I assumed it was going to be like dudes on banjos because it's rural Tennessee. Because it's Nashville. And I've yeah. been to rural Hipsters Tennessee festivals before, and they tend to be real folksy, which I find kind mm-hmm. of fun, Americana, whatever. Uh, this was not that. It was a it was a band called For King and Country, um, which is. Kind of a Coldplay-ish, U2-ish, uh, Snow Patrol-ish. That might all be the same thing as Ronnie. So Coldplay with the side of Coldplay with the side of Coldplay was how big our yeah exactly. So which that, was that which, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, that that was spot on. Um, but they do laser lights, and that's pretty cool. Um, so they, they, their stage their stage setup is cool. But so we get there, and basically there's there's the compassion booth because they're sponsoring it because it's a Christian sure. music thing. There's the stage, there's a big field, and then there's food trucks. And so I waited in line for an hour and a half for a, uh, a mediocre sandwich. Uh, yep. But I, while waiting in line, I was looking around going, well, what else is there to do here besides wait in line? Is there a better option? And the answer was no because I could go sit and listen to the band and sweat or I could stand in line and sweat <laughs> and get food. So I decided I would do that. Right about the time I get back to my seat – um, there's the intermission in the concert 
and the preacher from this local Baptist church gets up to do the big evangelistic message. And it was the quintessential Southern evangelistic message. I, I don't think he realized that the microphone did the volume for him because mm. he mm-hmm. screamed for 15 <laughs> minutes straight. Yeah. But then and, – and my favorite line was – I mean he, he talked about God, God has a perfect plan for your life. I mean it was, it was scripted perfectly to whatever you would have pictured. But then when he got to the altar call part, he uh, – he used the line, don't you dare come up here if you're not serious about doing business with God. Mm. Except I, that was, it was a lot louder than that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I just sat there and thought, well, what about the people who aren't sure, but they might have questions? Uh, no, the, the, that welcome. kind of event has no interest in those people. No, yes, apparently not. So no, no questions, no seekers. This yeah. is don't you dare. And I also wondered, like, what is the consequence if somebody goes up there and they go, I'm not sure. Like, no, out, get out. You're not yeah, welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then he, he repeated that line two or three times because, of course, the altar car call is repeated two or three times. Um I was a little disappointed they didn't play, like, just as I am or whatever mm. what during this. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it... It was the kind of altar call that almost made me regret being a Christian for a couple hours. It was it was that kind of thing because I was I was so embarrassed for anybody there who who wasn't familiar with the church that this was their first interaction with it. Oh yeah, like, those are those are the worst feelings, man. Where you go like election has to be real because nobody would choose this of their own volition. Not, yeah, not that, which is funny because I'm, I'm darn near certain those, uh, those particular people putting it on did not believe in election. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, it was, boy, I was, uh, I was swimming in the waters of, of altar call tent meeting, whatever. And I know that this, this church, this was the church's one big evangelistic thing every year. They probably, they probably have, and then they probably do like a Christmas cantata or something like that. And <laughs> they probably uh, spend like 200 grand on it. You know, oh, I'm, I'm sure like, yeah, their, their entire outreach budget goes to this <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, paying, you know, French horn players at Christmas. Oh my goodness, dude. That but sounds miserable. Happy 4th of July, everybody. <laughs> exactly. God bless America. Let's make America great again. And with that, let's sign off. Rachel the Held Evans, thanks for being with us today. <laughs> Happy Fourth of July from our ambassador of good cheer, <laughs> Barnabas Piper. Now, one thing that Barnabas is, is our uh, ambassador of business, without a doubt. Uh, he is the business maven of this program. So, Pipe, tell us about our sponsor. Uh, and then we got some uh, some other stuff to get into this morning. We do. All right. So, our sponsor is Moody Publishers. They are highlighting the book. Create versus Copy, Breakthrough with Imagination by a guy named Ken Witzma. Ken uh, founded the Justice Conference. So if you're familiar with that, it's one of the larger evangelical efforts to, to blend um, social consciousness and social justice with uh, the Bible and theology. Probably leans a little bit more progressive than a lot of our Reformed listeners and our, our more conservative listeners are are comfortable with, but they do some really, really good stuff, and they partner with a lot of amazing organizations. The premise of the book, Create Versus Copy, is is how creativity is essential in leadership, whether it's in your home or business or church, but that it can be learned. It's not just a thing that some people are and some people aren't. Uh, he, he delves into what the Bible has to say about creativity, how it's a God-given gift as well as sort of a mandate. Um, and then looks at various aspects of it to help people figure out where they connect with it. So this is a book that he's really aiming at, really aiming at church and organizational leaders, but with a a, a big heavy side of 
you know, parents and home leadership and things like that. So the book is Create Versus Copy by Ken Witzma. Uh, it's a short book, short chapters, easy to get through. So if you're somebody who's, you know, most people who are reading creativity books are not looking to read 400 pages on it. And this is not that. It's not dense. And uh, it'll give you some real practical uh, tips on that. So go ahead and check that one out um, from Moody Publishers. And as always, thanks to Moody for sponsoring us. Um, they're good folks over there and they keep uh, they keep us afloat. I guess is how we would put that. <laughs> yeah. They keep us afloat, I guess. What a, what a strong <laughs> message, Pipe. That's, wow. That's good business right that's there. That's right. You know, that's good well, business. Well, if they really want to keep us afloat, they'll just have to keep sponsoring. We got to, you know, we have to keep them on the, we have to keep them on the hook. Dude, exactly. We yeah. We can't let them think their job is done here. We can't let them get too comfortable like we did with Dave Cook. You yeah. know, David's we let Dave in here for like six months. He was sleeping on the couch, playing our video games, eating our pizza. You know, and, and then, then he, he just left. And, and then he told me to go publish somewhere else. Exactly. Never <laughs> to be heard from again. That's so, right, Dave. So, yeah, you're right. You're right, Pipe. We got to keep Moody on the hook. Now, um, I, 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 as you were talking about this guy in this book, I, I think one way in which as a program we really went wrong was not incorporating the word justice into our title somewhere. Like the Happy Justice podcast. <laughs> I, I just feel like that always works. It always sells. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, social is another good word, too, because it can either be social media or social justice. Yes. You combine those two. So you got social, you've got justice. You can kind of weave them together. Yeah, we yeah, like it. We dropped the ball on that. Maybe we mm. rebrand this whole thing at some point. Mm. You know? yeah. We could call it the Justice Social Podcast. But would we be then construed as going a little bit too progressive? You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure anybody who there, – there are probably those who already think we're too progressive. Everybody else – because of the fact that we laugh, laugh occasionally. That's right. We <laughs> we make jokes about conservative people. Whoops. Laughing is progressive. That is the Laughing ultimate is progression. Laughing is liberal. We've gone liberal. It's the ultimate progression. Exactly. Right into hell in a handbasket. Well, boys, we've got uh, we've got an all listener generated podcast uh, today. Actually, no, check that. We've got a two thirds listener generated uh, podcast in terms of. Uh, topics, and I want to get into these, but uh, but Pipe, I want to do our serious one first because as we were texting last night, um, a- another interesting dynamic has arisen uh, here within the within the program, and I'm just going to kind of peel back the curtain a bit and give people a, a, a behind the scenes look at our process, as it were. No, oh, people love process. People love process. It's fascinating. So this little look at our process was, you know, we're we're bantering back and forth about funny topics, and Big R just says, guys. Look, can we, can we, right? As, as the resident man of the cloth on the program, you know, can we, can we put a serious topic in there? Can we just slow it down a little bit? And, uh, and, and pipe, you took that uh, rebuke very well. And, um, and, and big R introduced a serious topic and it actually is a good topic. And it's this, um, with society and everything moving more toward, uh, kind of online interaction. How do we as church members or as the church feel about people giving online rather than dropping their their check or their money into the plate as it passes on Sunday morning? And uh, Big R, I'm going to let you take this one first because you're you're a resident man of the cloth, but it was also your idea. So uh, so what do you have to say about this, baby? Well, you know, actually, I think, Pipe, it was your idea. I just kind of said, hey, let's do something. Let's have something a little less silly and uh, let's serious it up a little well, bit. You were, I think you, you were tapping the brakes on the uh, 
on the runaway train to progressivism. Not, yeah, not that's too, right. too much laughter, too soon, right. dangerous thing. So we got to keep it. We got to keep it. Ronnie's kind of here. the Don Carson of this podcast, <laughs> you know, kind of keeping things on a thoughtful, intellectual level, you know. Right. Is he spinning his glasses as we speak? Spinning yeah. the glasses. If I only wore, if I only wore them, I could I hope, spin them. I hope we can avoid the wrath of Ronnie. <laughs> the wrath of Ronnie. I love it. I love it. So, Big yeah. R, you're a pastor. What, what, what do you say about this? I don't know, man. It's, it's weird because as soon as Pipe brought that thing up, I just literally had a convo yesterday morning with one of my deacons about the whole online thing. So we, you know, we've been doing the online giving thing since day one. You know, sure. um, we, we kind of brought up a little more of the funny thing, the funny aspect of that, which is churches that are getting in these sort of these little kiosks where you go and you just swipe your card to like oh, pay wow. your tithe. Yeah. Like in, in the foyer, in the fellowship hall, in the narthex, whatever. Yeah. Just literally incredibly crazy word you like to use for the place where everybody hangs out. I haven't out. heard about this. People are literally like swiping a card in the narthex to give. Yeah, so what happens is can, like we – Can I make a suggestion, Ronnie? Yeah, throw can it you, out there. Okay, so above that kiosk, you put up the letters ATM and it's automatic <laughs> tithing machine. Oh, you like oh. it? How's that? That's the churchiest thing you've ever heard, right? Like That's that, why that Pipe is the perfect. business guy. Yes. You know? I don't even know. Where, I mean, Rachel the Held Evans, I don't even know where to go from there. We just need to end the program on that. Yeah, you know? yeah so. RTH, man. So anyway, so here, so we're, t- we're talking about, so I, my buddy just mentioned it and he was laughing about it. And I said, well, I go, you know what's weird about that? I go, why is that weird? I go, like we're, we're advocating online giving as being legitimate. We don't pass it. You know, we're too hipster to pass a plate at our church. We have our boxes that everybody can just drop their giving into. But I said, so technically what's the difference if we had one of those kiosks than just saying, well, we also, you can also go online at home, log in. And give your tithe there, which about, I think, 50% of our congregation does it like that. And so I, I, I threw it out to Big M, Big M being my wife. And um, she just said, it just feels weird because when we think of swiping a car now, it just feels like a transaction. Whereas even in the old days, dropping a check, or the old days, which is our current days still, dropping a check in a box doesn't feel transactional, even, even logging like a, online. It feels like a donation. It feels like a donation, I guess, if you want to say it like that. So I just, I just think it's kind of a fascinating thing because here's the thing, like any of my boys, you know, who have churches like my church, I mean, nobody's doing like this kiosk thing. I've never been to a church that's done that, but I'm guessing it's more of like a Willow Creek saddleback kind of a thing. So, um, it's, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. Like, what do we see as being the problem with it? And then it kind of brings up all kinds of other questions with it, you know? And we, we had one listener a while back who – they may have triggered this, but they sent in a picture of something they saw at a church where uh, it was a slip that got dropped in the offering plate that says – is about the size and shape of a check that says, I gave online. Which is insanely <laughs> ridiculous. And, and so it's, it's like – so- so, so the assumption is that people who are sitting in a seat when the plate passes and they just pass it on and don't put anything in feel guilty. So this slip allows them to be like, I, I did too. I gave two. I'm okay. I'm safe. And, uh, and I, I thought that was sort of a hilarious layer of this as well as another layer of like the mental what is okay, what is not, what's right, what's wrong. And you know, I give online and there is always that funny feeling when you just pass it on or, or like wave the usher off. You're like, nah, not today. And because uh, they, they don't know whether you gave or not. But I thought that was kind of a, a funny additional 
uh, I don't know, churches well, being yeah, that's, crazy it's, thing. It's crazy. So I guess the question, okay, so the question for you two gents for me is, you know, I don't, the whole like passing the plate thing, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we see like a new Testament precedent for that. So like what, like what do we, what do you guys think is right with this? I think you always got to have something to toss in the plate, man. That's the moral of this story. So <laughs> dig right. out like a, like a mint or a piece of gum or, you just, know. Just an IOU. Yeah, whatever you got in there, just toss in the plate. Yeah. Whatever, it's anything. It's yeah. Keys, <laughs> bubble gum, candy. Yeah. It becomes like a pass the rummage sale instead right. of pass the plate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Well, no, I, I have I have a, another friend. We, I mean, we talked about this. It's been a long time. But he said he said he doesn't have any moral problem with giving online, but he always gives by whatever, by check in the plate because – it feels he said he needs the kind of the mental reminder of of giving and if it's an like if it's an automatic deduction from the checking account yeah. it doesn't feel like i guess the end result is the same because the money is going to ministry but there's not sort of that he said he yeah, doesn't there's... he doesn't feel like he can be a joyful giver if he gives automatically online he's like there's no joy i don't even remember that it's happening it's just part of the budget that but dude, it's actually a really great point um, yeah, I mean, there's the sense of, you know, you feel it, you're aware of, um, yeah, aware of the church, you know, needing it and aware that, uh, it's part of your role as a church member to be about that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think you lose all those things if you give online. I mean, I mean, T, do you, do you really, because it, it feels like I haven't written a check in like 26 years. I mean, like, I don't even know if I can find my checkbook right now, like if I needed to. So well, maybe just, you're so progressive, man. You well, probably I, just scan no, the barcode on your forehead on the way in. Well, he just, he know? just does the Dave Ramsey envelope cash system. So it no, kind of, I kind of does away with checks. I haven't, I haven't owned a dollar bill in like 57 years. I mean, it's insane. So like, so, okay. So I, it's a valid thing to say that like dropping like, the check. In, in the box and all of that, but th- I feel like it just becomes an old argument because we're not like man, we're not we don't do things like it's it's like somebody's it's like somebody's saying like I'm angry because all I get are emails now and I'm not communicating anymore and it's like the yeah. same thing the person said who owned the first telephone we're just not seeing each other eye to eye to have co- <laughs> you know communication anymore this telephone thing feels so distant and like I don't feel like we're connecting and it's like it's like, I feel like we do that whenever something new, like kind of comes into play in terms of how we, you know, either well, communicate or why don't, why don't we all just stay in our houses, man? And you can uh, podcast your sermon. out. I'm not talking about internet church, big T don't, I, <laughs> I'm not I know, talking I'm just about internet church. Maybe I'm just messing with you because you know why? Because people liked the conflict last week. So is that and, why it's true? We're getting the, back to there it. was some enjoyment in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, boys, I think we've uh, I think we've exhausted that topic. Really, um, I just feel like we just got started. But carry on, Big T. <laughs> no, 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 I, Big R. We, we, you and I both have time constraints today, baby. I'm trying to keep this thing on track. But did you did you have more to say about the the online giving? I know we didn't resolve it in that we didn't all three come to I, a. I, I have one more thing to add on that, and that is <laughs> I I know myself well enough to know that if I don't do an, sort of an automatic online deduction, there's a I'm about fifty percent less likely to cut a check. And that's call it call it sin, call it forgetfulness, call it greed. I don't know exactly what that is. I just know that I will get to church on a Sunday and go, oh crap, I forgot my I forgot my offering. Whereas if I just know that twice a month it's gonna or or once a week or whatever it is, it's gonna just automatically go to the church. 
Yeah, Barnabas, right. I, that, I, like, I got to church this morning and I forgot my fax machine. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I forgot my offering. I mean, who, who walks right, around like with I, a checkbook? <laughs> I, I carry plastic in my wallet, which means that the, key, the kiosk thing would be great for me if I didn't give online automatically because then I wouldn't be able to forget it because I carry plastic. But I, 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 I never carry checks. I have cash on me about once every two months and uh, – and so, yeah, that the online thing saves me from myself as much as anything because it allows me to be sure that I am I am what you said, Ted. I am fulfilling a responsibility as a church member. And while it's not joyful giving in the sense of like I'm praying over every gift, it is a sense of like I made a conscious decision to set this up and I do periodically go in and make sure that I'm giving an amount commensurate to my income or commensurate to what I can afford and things like that. So it's it, – it remains a conscious thing, but if I if I relied on my own memory, I would give half as much. I bet. Oh man, that's beautiful, and I love that we use words like commensurate on the on the podcast. It helps me. Got to keep helps it my vocabulary. Yep. Gives me something new to say on Sunday morning. Church it up. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. Work Thank you in. for that. <laughs> so and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna remember to bring my rotary phone and my fax machine to church with me on Sunday to make sure that I get something in that box. So. Note to self, if I'm in live in Louisville and I need to borrow a couple of bucks, not to ask you to. It's no, true. No, I will, absolutely uh, not. I will. I will uh, send you money through the cash app on our. Phones, I'll give you a promissory note, Ted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give me some shekels. <laughs> You'll have to dig them up from out back. No, right? I'll just have to. I'll just have to get his shepherd pouch from him and just reach no, my hand in there and pouch. toss him over to. That's coming. Christmas, Christmas is Ronnie, on the way. No, okay, hey, let's not get the Christmas creep going too soon. Don't spoil no, the fun. I feel like Ronnie. we need to get a, a merch deal uh, in place with uh, who, 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 who is it? Burlap sacks. Who's making our T-shirts? Who are these guys? Mission Aware. Mission, Mission Aware has to. They, they have to start coming out with some burlap. I mean, they got to. They got to make us some burlap shepherds right. pouches to, to sell in Louisville. Because Spurgeon was a big fan of burlap. Somewhere along the line, Spurgeon loved burlap. We need burlap. We need burlap. We need to bring back burlap, dude. And, and, and you know the, these. Conservative twelve kid families like they're dressing their daughters in burlap. Man, there's a big burlap. Yeah. Bring back burlap. I mean, do you think that there's a table that we set up here at Substance that doesn't have a burlap tablecloth? I mean, maybe look, bring uh, it listen. Back. You, you, it's raining burlap at Substance. <laughs> I mean, we're literally like we're like a burlap manufacturer here when we're not doing church, man. Dude, you start with burlap, you end with burlap, and it's burlap oh, middle. Burlap covered Bibles, burlap cover, you know seat covers, burlap giving boxes. Well, those burlap, keep I mean, awake, that's for sure. Because it's comfortable. It's, it's welcoming. It's the it's the most welcoming fabric. Actually, we have burlap deposit slips that we have people drop in our giving boxes now. Since they they actually have to right. they actually have, they have to cross stitch the amount on during they the have to cross stitch the amount on or, or like they embroider the amount on it right and it's an IOU it's a promissory note <laughs> or you or you have pieces of wood and like a drill press so that they can like I will bring you. Know, you- very- Two gold galleons later this week. Something yeah, we have these little lines. fasteners on the side of our chairs, not pews, obviously that have yeah that, that actually carry our little like uh, our little drill bits, <laughs> our embroidery. You, you, you um, got a leather shop in the back, so the hipsters can handcraft their their cash. Nobody nobody has sat through one of my sermons, I think, in like two years because they're all back there just getting their their, their leather <laughs> promissory burlap notes. Well, it's, also, it's really hard to sit on a burlap seat for long. It gets really itchy. So that's another reason they don't sit through your sermons. 
But that's why we give them like leather aprons to wear so that they can actually sit in the seats and then concentrate on embroidering their, their burlap that's why notes they for the sermon box. During the week, pipe. The, the, the meeting on Sunday morning is all about like. Oh, we don't do online. We don't do online podcasting. We print. We do everything on vinyl. You have to literally get 180 gram <laughs> vinyl to hear the. You have sermons. to go to the record store in Ashland and buy the vinyl record. They get released me. every Wednesday morning. Absolutely. You got to buy it from the old guy. Well, with that's a quick turnaround. It's quick, Love man. It's expensive too. It's like twenty nine ninety five per sermon. So. Hey, you know what though? How bad do you want the sermon? I mean, right. to- totally worth it. It's a collector's right. item. Right. It exactly. will never lose its value. Okay, I feel like we redeemed this topic. Carry on, Big T. Yeah, way to be serious, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Pipe. I'm really glad we we just slowed it down and got a little bit more thoughtful and serious with that segment. <laughs> I feel like we've done our listeners a Pastor, service. Pastor Ronnie did some pastoring. Off we go. Rachel the Held Evans. We're done. Rachel Held Evans, let's get out of here. All right. All right, boys. Um, <laughs> okay, we uh, allegedly we have an Olympics coming up this summer in when? I don't right. know, in like a week, well, week unless, and a half. Unless they cancel it due to bacteria everywhere. And yeah, everybody's I'm not being funny. Do, do, do we seriously have an Olympics coming up? I'm not Dude, joking. I guess that's the rumor. We have an Olympics. Yes. I mean, I'm not this, joking. No, I normally is, I would joke about it, but I'm not joking. This is a joking. perfect setup for this conversation. I'm really glad you're not aware of this, Ronnie. Like, that's that makes me happy. Yeah, there's, But it would the, be the typical that I'm not aware of it, but I really didn't know No, that. see, okay. here's the thing. I would have expected, of the three of us, you strike me as the type who would actually be the most into the Olympics because you don't care about real sports. Oh my god, I'm signing yeah. off. This is insane. <laughs> Rachel Hell Evans signing off right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Rachel the Hell Evans, we're done now. I'm getting the held out of here. Well no, like you 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 don't care much about, you know, the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball for the most part. Oh, um, real sports. Okay. Yeah. And so I would have expected that like the steeplechase was something you got geeked up about. <laughs> Oh, Baby, man, it's, just, it's, just tell, getting so, it's just getting unkind now. Big R, level with me. Do you have at all like an Olympic memory? So like growing up, did you and your pops watch the Olympics? Was this a thing for you at all in your family? Dude, not even close. My pops could have cared less about the, uh, about the Olympics. But you know what? All I remember yeah. is when the 84 Olympics, when, yeah. I was a young, when I was a young lad, and the 84 Olympics came to the L.A. Coliseum, and everybody was just freaking out and like super excited. Dude, of course, that's like honestly we, the yeah. one that I remember caring about. I remember really? I watched okay. the '84. Yeah, I remember Carl Lewis. I remember watching Tyrell Biggs win the the super heavyweight gold medal for boxing wow. back when people cared about boxing. Like, I don't know. I, I was young. I was a little kid back then, so the Olympics still seemed kind of like magical and bigger than life. And and now, yeah, now it just seems like. You know, we we dust off a bunch of these sports that nobody cares about. But some people are like really crazy about it, though. Like, I feel like I always run into people that are like, oh, dude, like, man, you count, you know, count me out. Whatever you got going on, Ronnie, count me out, man, because the Olympics are on. I'm like, I'm going to be at home watching the the Olympic marathon or whatever, you know? Yeah, Yeah, like like, there are people who like dancing with the stars, too, and get geeked up about that stuff. Like people are just crazy. Yeah. Pipe, do you watch the Olympics? Do you have any Olympic uh, like memories or Uh, so I, I liked it a lot as a kid. And yeah. and I don't know why. I think it was just I think it was sort of the spectacle of it. It was different. Sure. It was new. Like I remember being on vacation during the summer and watching, you know, gymnastics. Or I remember when um when Michael Johnson uh mm. won in was that ninety six in Atlanta when yeah. he won the, the two hundred and broke the world record, which then Usain Bolt broke later. But uh so I mean I have these memories from when I was like up through junior high probably, and then I just stopped caring because I it it kind of just it lost its appeal to me, but now my kids really like it. 
they they think like they think the gymnastics is amazing. They thought like ice skating in the winter Olymp- winter Olympics. They like the diving. They think the diving that like, the platform diving is so cool. Yeah. So I don't care, but it's fun to watch them get into it. My I mean my thing about it is I. I don't have a ton of time to follow sports, so I follow the sports that I follow. And if I don't follow a sport for four years, I'm not going to get into it for three weeks during, you know, every you know during the Summer Olympics. That's it's not really my thing. And it strikes me as funny how many people become experts on like the breaststroke and the mm. you know the backstroke for two weeks. They're telling you how hard it is to do the butterfly. I know. I'm know? like I'm like you were a couponing mom three days ago. How did you learn so much about that? Dude, backstroke? I know that's funny because I feel that's so true though. I feel like people like that you would have never guessed are into it. Just all of a sudden, get into it, dude. And they you can they can I mean? tell you all the soft focus stories about the athletes. Like, oh, his sister had one leg and. You know, <laughs> She grew well, dude, up under I, a bridge, you know. All I mean, that. you know, I'm going to say something controversial, but I feel the same way about people that get all like jacked up about the World Cup every four years. All of oh, a sudden, now dude, they're yes. soccer fans, yep, totally and you just kind of go, "What?" You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if if you're a soccer fan who follows, you know, the Premiership or MLS or whatever, yeah, right? If you, you follow it, like, and that's a sport year. that you enjoy, then yeah, that's a huge tournament. That's a spectacle. Although I think those fans tend to care more about like the Champions League than they do. The World Cup, because the World Cup is, yeah. it's more spectacle than it is actual tournament in some ways. Um, <clears throat> but, the, but the Olympics is just weird, because it's like, hey, we started this thing when people used to wrestle naked and race chariots, and we're still kind of <laughs> doing the same thing, uh, except, that, except that nobody really cares about running in circles or swimming laps anymore. Okay, so that's my question, Big T, and I'm asking you because I'm thinking maybe you know something about this, not that you wouldn't sure. pipe. So, so okay, so number one, where is the Olympics this year? Number two, has it, is it something that has sort of waned in popularity over the years? Out of fact, yeah, I mean, do you know? Yeah, it's, it's in Brazil. Um, I think it's waned in popularity because, and this is me speaking only as an American, so take it with a grain of salt. But I, I, I think the Olympics was a bigger deal back when we had like Cold War, bad blood with people. You know what I mean? Well, I think I think and the internet has shrunk the world, and so the like international boundaries don't matter anymore. It's less exotic pipe. Yeah, international stuff is less exotic. Every and, mm. dude, again, like every college kid here has been to six continents already. You know, it's like it's just not that big a deal to watch. You know all these other athletes from these "quote unquote" exotic places. I mean, you think about, yeah, like, dude, yeah, yeah. you think about like basketball, and it, you know, it, it used to be a rarity for a guy from Eastern Europe or France or whatever to succeed in the NBA. Now there's mm-hmm. a dozen of those guys. From, Absolutely. From, I mean, well, there's dozens of those guys, and so then you see them playing for their home country, and it's it stops being like the U.S. versus these guys, and you're like, oh, there's an NBA guy versus an NBA guy on different right. on you know that guy's playing for France and this guy's for you know Slovakia, yeah. and yeah. so. It's, I think, I don't know. I think that does sort of lose some of the appeal because you're like, oh, I've seen this before, or it's just yeah. not as, it's not as novel and it's not as um, exotic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, don't well, think I will. Watched, uh, I don't think I've watched significant Olympic coverage in years. I mean, I can't remember the last time. And I, Bob I, Costas talks nonstop. And who? Oh, wants to dude, listen yeah. To yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's, like, go ahead, T. I I, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like there's huge Costas fatigue, you know? <laughs> I feel like Costas is in that he's in that stage of his career where like he knows he knows he's amazing and like the last decade has just been a victory lap. You know what I mean? Like yeah, hey, he's got, he's constantly imi- he's Bob. imitating Bob Costas at every turn. Right, he's like Bob Costas doing Bob Costas. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's insufferable. 
That's you go. Beautiful. You go. No, I don't got anything other than I, I receive everything you guys say as my brothers, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it as conversation fodder uh, to, to speak with anybody in the next, like, X number of months about the Olympics. I feel I would, like I, I, I got would, some ammunition now. I got I something to talk about. I would venture to guess that we are in the minority, and uh, the vast majority of Americans still think this is pretty cool, and they're going to wave flags and chant USA, USA. Well, you they know what? I, I, they are. And I feel like I'm the guy, like there's always inevitably, I feel like one sport where there's like one big hero that emerges and everybody's talking about. And then I'm like the guy that goes, yeah, okay, I'll turn that on and watch that just because everybody's talking about it. And, you know, I got to be able to, I got to be able to dialogue with somebody about something current other than like burlap. You right. Know? Like when, so, yeah. when Michael Phelps just, he, when he won what, like nine medals? Yeah. Um, two Olympics ago, I guess he's about to make his fourth or fifth Olympics, which is crazy because that means that that covers a twenty-year span. How old is he? Like sixty? Well, he started at I think sixteen, which puts oh, okay. him at like early thirties now, I guess, or mid thirties. But that's like is, old is, man for a right. That's really it? old for a swimmer. So I guess I mean that's. But but again, the fact that we have to be like old for a swimmer, I don't really know how old he was when he started a twenty-year span. Like that's. It kind He's of gonna be shows. wearing a burlap speedo, big R. <laughs> that's a, one that's can only dream about that. One yeah. should not dream about that. That's called a nightmare. It's, oh uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Wow, well, boys, you offended Pipe T. I think an apology. Not offended. I'm just uh, I'm getting uncomfortable in my seat here. Yeah, it's it's a difficult image. It really is because you're, you're sitting on a burlap seat and it's uncomfortable. Yes, that's that is true. Pipe. Okay, exactly, exactly, boys. Um, one more topic. And this was a listener suggestion, which I'm going to modify just a tiny bit. So the the suggestion was, uh, who should be the next James Bond? Oh my! And gosh. I think because I don't care uh, <laughs> at all. I mean, I think I care less about that than the Olympic. That's even possible. I mean, the line yeah. is so fine right there. I don't even know what to do with it. I haven't cared about anything we've talked about this morning. Yet this is at the bottom of things that I care about. So. I'm way, way to save the best for last, Ted. This is even Absolutely. less than caring, right? That's this is like radio. you sure didn't bury the lead. That's uh, that's good. That's right. But my, my modification is this: I'm going to say who, which, which like famous pastor would make the best <laughs> James Bond? Okay, because this is a thing that our listeners like. They like for us to talk about pop culture, but they like for us also to talk about like famous pastors. Oh, crap! All the homework I did is out the window now. No, Dude, all more, the no prep, more talk all the of Tom Hiddleston. This is uh, this is putting you on the spot, Pipe. But which which famous pastor do we think would make the best James Bond? Keeping in mind things like, you know, cunning and craftiness and fighting ability, and uh, all all the things that make James. Are there Bond. any famous pastors who are suave, debonair, and uh, and dress well? Just keep me out of this, guys. Just for the sake of the it's program. a short list. It's a short list. Just keep me out of this. Do you mean out of the conversation or off the list? Off the list. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Done. I right think I sure. know I think I know who would love to be James <laughs> Bond. And Ooh. I would say I would say that would be one Mr. Stefan Furtick. Yes. Out of oh, North Carolina. I knew you were going to say that. Dude, when he's when he's flipping his tires and and throwing his uh you know chains around in his CrossFit gym, that's what he's dreaming about. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know he would love to be like Bond. I, I guess, man, to think of a guy that might actually He's a little ostentatious, it, I, though. Furtick couldn't quite pull it off. He's a little too – he's more like a Bond villain, let's be dude, honest. And, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but he, he doesn't seem that smart to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I feel like part of Bond is being clever and like, like figuring things out. I, 
yeah, but and also, but kind of keeping it behind the veil, so it's like you have to have like the big reveal of your of how you've outsmarted the villain. Whereas Furtick would be like, "Hey, check me out! I'm doing this." You know? Well, I mean, if we're but talking yeah, he about would, he would publicize it, <laughs> yeah. If yeah. we're talking about like, it, yeah, but so so if we're bringing it to that level, and we're talking about like cunning and smartness. I mean, it's like it almost has to be Keller, like forty years ago. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know who else to no, pick. Keller is yeah. M. <laughs> no, Keller would be M. I love it, dude. I love it. Keller is absolutely M. Like he's the mastermind behind things. He's the the level head who is kind of fed up with Bond's shenanigans but knows that he's the best man for the job and and all of that. Like he's he would be the perfect M. All right, I'm going to roll with uh if he if he only didn't have the southern accent, I would almost want to roll with JD Greer. All right. Oh, I could see that. Greer Greer is a solid choice cuz he's he flies under the radar. Yeah. But yeah, I think hmm, the accent, not the accent, cannot. That's yeah. You can't be exist. Bond with a Southern accent. You cannot exist. But let's you know? be honest: no American can be James Bond because yeah, James Bond true. has. To, so I mean, so I think we just, I think we have to set that aside and like grade on the other, the other characteristics. So what do we have? We have like Andrew Wilson. Is he like the only candidate <laughs> no, we what have? What about our boy? Uh, what about our guy in Cleveland? There, uh, what's his name? Alistair Begg. Oh, Alistair Begg's like sixty-five. No, yeah, but so like what, 20, but 20 years ago, 20 He's years wiry. ago. No, now. Alistair Begg now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Al- Alistair Begg 20 years ago would have been a good choice. Uh <clears throat> He's he's a smart aleck. He's he's, he's uh, angry. He's a Scotsman. He's angry. And he's short and he's really mad all the time. Oh, yeah, he would be perfect. He's more yeah. biting mad, not like screaming mad though. No, yeah, no. He's not he's not he's your like boy from last night altar call mad. We're not yeah, talking no. about that. Yeah. Don't you dare. No, you're never going to get a don't you dare from Alistair Beck. No, he's he's a reformed angry. Like, kind of <laughs> like us. You know, he's a reformed. Guys, what about this one? Hear, hear me out on this one. This guy is everywhere. He never sleeps. He's very prolific. He is a leader of men. And he's read a lot of naval biographies. Uh, Al Mohler as Bond. Wow. No, he's Q. Wow. No, he's not Bond. Albert Mohler. Albert Mueller. I think uh, I think I think Pete Wilson. Do you guys know who Pete Wilson is? Never wow. heard. Of him. Okay, so he's uh, you guys. Wow, look look how reformed you guys are. Um, <laughs> Pete Wilson is the pastor of Life. No, is it Life Church? No, Cross Point. I always get those two mixed up. Craig Rochelle is also a decent option. He's the pastor of Life Church. Uh, so, but Wilson is has a ton of influence. Judas Priest, I'm looking at this guy right now. Yeah, he he looks just like Keith Urban. I'm yeah, I'm um, looking at the spiky hair. Yep. Well, he's ah. he's had multiple hairstyles, all of them stylish for their day. So yes. he has, he's done spiky, he's done sort of moppy, he's done clean, he's you know kind of Yeah, you can see the whole progression right yep, here. I, he probably has done like the razor cut part at some point. Yep. He's he is he is a non-controversial character. He avoids conflict in in a way that I respect. Like I don't mean like he runs away from it. He just uh yeah. He doesn't become the center of conflict. He's his church is young and thriving right on the uh, I guess what would that be the east side of downtown Nashville. Um, Judas, dude, so look at this guy. He's, Pipe, he's, is he moving a ton of product? Who's doing I, his books? He, uh, I don't know, possibly Thomas Nelson. I'm not sure. Okay, um, but I mean his his books sell pretty well. He's well respected. He when they run events, they they get a ton of people there. Um, he's just. He's outside of the reformed circles, which we frequent. But uh, I think I think he's a good option because he is just slightly under the radar, but with way more influence and uh, and lever pulling experience than one might give him credit for. 
Wow. Yeah, I think we got a contender there, Big R. I'm going to roll. You know what, though? I'm going to roll. I know he's not a pastor, and I know he has a really bad Southern accent, but I'm going to roll with Russell Moore. How about Russ? That? I could see that. <laughs> you know? Russell Moore would make a better, like, fictional president of the United States. Dude, like, that's if so they, true. If they, if they re-upped the West Wing or something like that, yeah. he would be that president. Air Force minus the accent. Minus the accent. No, the, the the president in West Wing had a Southern accent, I'm pretty sure. Dude, yeah, kind of folksy, kind of down homey. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't tolerate that. I just literally have no... You I can't, can't tolerate the Southern accent? I literally... I, it literally you just kills it. me. It just ki- I know, it. just kills me. Absolutely kills me. It's like you're the smartest guy in the world and you just spoke and now I can't listen to you and anymore. And now you're Gomer Pyle. Right, exactly. Just destroys me. Destroyed. Just Gar, that's some honesty right there. That's that's unlike you to to write off a whole constituency like that. You know what, man? Are, um, are, it's you need to. You can pray for me. Uh, it's I, I something that I, I've been yeah. I've been struggling with that now for some time. I don't, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you've been quite content with it. I doubt you've struggled all that hard. No, I, I really <laughs> be just, honest. No, I really I'm just getting to the heart it. of the matter. I'm writing a book about it right now, and you know, for Thomas Nelson, it's and it's something I have struggled with for quite a while. It's called, it's it's called "Stop Complaining About Southern Accents." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I think we need to end the program. <laughs> Boys, we have uh, we have wandered to and fro as we always do on this program, and you know, you know, I thought of doing the Rachel the Held Evans sign off with a Southern accent, but <laughs> out of out of respect for my friend and my radio colleague Big R, I'm not going to do that. I appreciate uh, that. So okay. until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.